Welcome to In the Oil Patch, presented by Shale Magazine, broadcasting from the Oilfield Expert Studios. Oilfield Experts, where you get the right products right now. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch. And welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm your host, Kim Pilato. Today, it's a special day. It's our live show. We do this once a month as a way of us answering questions on oil, gas, or energy. And obviously, there's a lot going on and a lot to discuss. So if you feel like joining in on the show and talking about energy, the number to call is, three, is 210-308-8867 or our toll-free number of 866-308-8867. As usual, I am joined by my co-host David Blackman, who is also the editor of Shell Magazine and our partnership we have in place with the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers, Jason Modulin, the president. And by the way, Jason, we love that relationship because it really does help our listeners understand more about energy and what it means to them. Um, you can also send us questions on our Facebook page if you have questions about oil and gas or what's going on. Just send us a message through In the Oil Patch Radio Show and be sure to like our page as well. Before I bring on Jason and David, I'd like to tell you about the latest issue of Shell Magazine. The cover was Ben Dell discussing changes that are coming in the energy industry, along with a lot of other interesting articles and insightful articles. So if you have not taken a look at the latest issue, please go to Shell, S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com. I'd also like to tell you about a couple of mixers that our partners, uh, Texas Energy Advocates Coalition, are putting on. Uh, we have an all-stream mixers happening October the 7th, and that's from 5.45 to 7.45. The speakers will be the Honorable Jason Isaac, who will be discussing uh, all things energy, especially what happened um, in the Texas legislature uh, this past session, as well as things that they're working on. And we also have another speaker, which is Vance Jin, who's going to talk to us about the property taxes. You know, it's such an important um, topic right now that we are facing, and we're in special sessions. So seeing if there's anything that can be done for tax relief would be a a great thing to be working on. We also have an upcoming mixer in the Woodlands at our Fogo the Chow partner, which is set for November 17th. Uh, It is at the huge landing uh, boulevard. And if you've never been to one of the mixers in Houston, it's a really great place to network. Again, that date is November 17th, and it is 5.45 to 7.45. Our speaker is the Vice President of Halliburton, Paul Shepard. And now, let me bring on my guest and co-host today, David Blackman. Welcome uh, to the show. And uh, Jason, welcome to uh, our live show. Hi. Welcome. Well, let's get started. Um, as we are waiting for callers to call in, um, again, the phone number is 210-308-8867. Um, I want to say we did receive a question earlier. It was from uh, maybe one of your counterparts, Jason Brooks, uh, Brooke Simmons, who is the president of Oklahoma chapter of uh, their alliance out there, their petroleum alliance. And, um, you know, his question uh, and, you know, wanted us to get into a discussion and he apologized he couldn't call him, but he's on a plane, was the importance of us discussing 
this $3.5 trillion budget reconciliation. And for most people listening, it just sounds like, wow, this is going to be a lot of taxes and a lot of different things going on. But specifically when we talk about energy, I really want us to drill down into this because he sent a lot of data and he wants us to cover it because I don't think the average consumer really understands how it's going to affect them. So Jason, let's start with you as far as Tell us, I mean, we know that this, uh, the Democrats are working through rushing this trillion, 3.5 trillion. It's almost like millions now that, that we just float around as it's a million, a trillion, you know, who cares? It's crazy the amount of money uh, that this bill, uh, what we're talking about. Um, and I know that the alliance is working on it, too. So first of all, give us some of the worst aspects that are going on. And then I'm going to drill down into some of the questions that Brooks was asking as well. And David, you feel free to jump in here, too, because I know you've got a lot of great advice on this. Uh, tell us what's well, the, sure, the problem. Uh, Tim, and, and uh, I'll be right behind Brooke. Uh, uh, I think all of us are headed to D.C. Uh, here this evening uh, to really start hammering on Congress this, this week. And he's absolutely right. It's a very difficult challenge right now. We're fighting this in multiple committees on both sides of the dome in the House and Senate. Um, you asked me to start with the bad news, but I want to reverse that and start with the good news. Um, uh, listen, uh, you got to give credit where credit's due. And our Texas Democratic delegation, which they're in the majority right now, uh, led by Congressman Henry Cuellar, Vicente Gonzalez, Lizzie Fletcher, Sylvia Garcia, Mark V.C., Philemon Vela, and Colin Allred have moved mountains uh, to get House Democrats, particularly on the east and west coast, off of two extremely damaging tax provisions that would have simply decimated small producers in Texas and the United States, making us far more dependent on foreign sources of oil and natural gas. We did an analysis, Carr Ingham, our petroleum economist, and he showed that over 300,000 Texas jobs would be lost over the next decade if intangible drilling costs and percentage depletion, these are standard business tax deductions, were eliminated uh, for small producers. Also want to say good news, Senator Joe Manchin out of West Virginia continues to fight some of the more reckless proposals in the Senate that would end the use of natural gas and coal in our nation's electricity system. I can go to the bad if if you want to, or or go to Brooks' question. Well, he is he was basically asking for for us in the show to highlight um, the, the the Democrats that should be um, given a pat on the back for understanding how this is going to affect their state, like our Texas legislators, as well as uh, globally. And and I think he wanted also us to cover that we're a few elected officials that um, are in power are going to take, if this thing is successful in its current form, take us back to relying on foreign energy needs and just take us back in which, you know, the energy sector cannot compete the way it, it, it does right now. And of course, you know, the consumer is the one who feels the benefit of it currently right now, right, with That's affordable right. gas prices, affordable utility bills. And we start, we're starting to see it go up, but, you know, with the fact that some of the stuff that's in here could actually regulate natural gas out of its existence, and yet it's considered to be this wonderful resource uh, of lowering uh, gas admissions, I don't quite understand w where the problem is here um, and why we would be even considering doing that when the United States is leading the planet in lowering admissions, and it's specifically through natural gas. So... 
David, you jump in here too. Um, he just wants us to cover, is there a chance? So I hear you all are heading to DC. Thank goodness, because I was wondering, what are our associations doing? Uh, so all of y'all are gonna head down there and what are the, the chances, uh, what is the game plan that you guys think you might actually come out with? I mean, I know Cuellar and them have said, you, in this current form, you do not have our vote. Um, so. Right. So, he, so here's the bad news. I mean, the bad news is that the House is moving forward on, on a very costly methane tax. Um, uh, th this is specifically targeted at oil and gas. Uh, so it, it, it uh, exempts agriculture, landfills, uh, even coal mines. Um, uh, and really, there's zero estimates on who would be involved today, because, again, th this really hasn't gone through a normal committee process where you would have hearings and uh, th this was kind of written uh, in the middle of the night and, and thrown out there. Um, and, and the House committee is already moving forward on it. So we don't even know who exactly would be included in this. But take your normal reporting thresholds right now to the EPA. You lower that threshold by 60 percent grabbing far more facilities in the state of Texas. And then on top of that, you put a $1,500 per unit tax on methane. Um, and look, you go through the current facilities right now that report to the EPA, and it's gas utilities, uh, gas storage facilities that are largely the entities that report this to the EPA. And so who pays for that? Uh, obviously, it's going to be all Texans that rely on natural gas utilities at their home. Uh, and that's despite the president uh, promising that he would not raise taxes on Americans making less than $400,000 a year. It's obviously going to be a huge tax increase on millions of Americans. Hey, Jason, let's, let's also uh, be really clear about that utility, the word utility, because it's not just home heating. It's not just cooking your food. Well over 40% of the electricity in, in the state of Texas and 40% of the electricity across the United States of America today is generated by natural gas power generating plants. Okay, so it's gonna be a huge increase in your electric bill as well as your gas bill. So don't, don't think it's just isolated to one thing. And, and then the other thing is natural gas is used in all these different applications from, from making clothes to plastics the fertilizers, food production, transportation, everything, the price of everything will go up, every consumer good you consume if this tax goes into place and it will hit the poor among us the hardest. That's right. And I'm glad that you brought that up because that's typically what ne they, they really do not have anyone advocating for them most of the time except for a few elected officials that remember these are your constituents, this is your area that you represent. But it really is mind-boggling to see the, that they are going to pay the same price as someone who is doing great. They have a high income. It's going to affect every single one of them. And when they say that no new taxes are coming your way, that's not necessarily true. It's not a tax. It's going to come in your goods and services of what you purchase. When we get back from break, we're going to take a phone call from Bruce out of Houston. You are listening to and the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back.
The Texas Alliance of Energy Producers has a rich and commanding history of fighting for the independent oil and gas industry. The Texas Alliance became a statewide organization in 2000 with the merger of two of the oldest oil and gas associations in the nation, the North Texas Oil and Gas Association and the West Central Texas Oil and Gas Association. Today, with more than 2,600 members, the Texas Alliance is the largest statewide association in the country serving independent energy producers and associated industries. Through our efforts in Washington, D.C., and Austin, the Texas Alliance is focused on a better business climate for you. The Texas Alliance has a staff consisting of highly experienced senior staff and supporting consultants serving our membership. Offices are located in Austin and Wichita Falls. Become a member today by visiting texasalliance.org or email us texasalliance at texasalliance.org. Any business can benefit from advertising to the oil and gas industry, but it's really important to partner with a marketing company that has a proven track record with this growing industry. Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine is the one-stop shop that'll keep you in front of the customers that you need to grow your business. So let's start growing your business in Texas. Email us, info at shalemag.com. Again, that's info at shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag, M-A-G, dot com. And we're back. You're listening to and the Old Patch Radio Show. If you'd like to join our live show today, please call 210-308-8867 or our toll-free number 866-308-8867. Our guest today is Jason Modlin, the president of Texas Alliance of Energy Producers, and David Blackman, my co-host and the editor of Shell Magazine. Guys, um, before the break, we were talking about the $3.5 trillion bill reconciliation. Uh, let's take Bruce Houston, uh, line one. I think this is Bruce. Are you there? Yes. Uh, can you hear me? Yes. What's your question for us today? Yes. My question is: uh, How can elected officials be supporting this three point five trillion dollars budget regularization bill? And also, what are what are associations doing to combat this effort? Okay. Well, thank you, uh, Bruce. Um, well, we did kind of cover this already, um, but I think that, um, you know, we, we had to go to break. I think that there's more to discuss because this is just a really, uh, we, we need to be getting involved in this. People in the community, uh, people who are listening, I know next week we start Teak uh, mailing out uh, emails, asking them to uh, push a button and contact their elected officials how, how pissed off they are, not here in Texas, not in our backyard. Uh, and I'm glad to see that our our friends, our Democratic friends in Texas, are are understanding uh, this is not a good thing. Of course, we know the Republicans are standing for it. But like um, Brooke said in an email to his constituents, it's a shame that we have a, a, a place right now where we have one party that is pro-energy and one party that is anti-energy. And they are so opposite. Uh, do you think, Jason that we're going to find, uh, I don't think it's going to go out in its current form. That's what a lot of, of uh, really smart people are saying. But how much of the energy industry do you think we can make headway when you all head to Washington this week? And thank you for doing that uh, for the state of Texas and for, of course, everyone who uses energy, which is everybody, by the way. <laughs> go ahead. Uh, we have, I can't hear him. Obviously. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. I think we are making some progress, and and I know David wants to jump in here, but I mean, really, the the 3.5 trillion is the Green New Deal 
that uh, has been panned by voters uh, for the last three years. Um, and, and really, hopefully, uh, Joe Manchin and, and some of our other Texas delegation is able to really whittle that down uh, considerably. Um, and then hopefully uh, we, we can uh, uh, we can stop some of these bad proposals that are in there. But but, David, I defer to you on some of that macro uh, uh, view. Well, I, just a couple of things I want to say about this. The first is, uh, for those of you uh, who read our website, I'm going to be posting a detailed uh, provision by provision analysis of this bill at our shalemag.com website tomorrow morning. Uh, so be sure and just click over there anytime after about eight o'clock in the morning, it'll be there so you can see just all the terrible stuff that's in it. Uh, second thing, uh, is it's not just a $3.5 trillion standalone bill. What, what other thing people need to understand about the language that's in this 2,000-page monstrosity, just another one of those, uh, is that this is a permanent elevation. It's not just one-off one spending items. It's a permanent elevation of the unfunded spending level of the federal government going forward. And the Congressional Budget Office has analyzed this bill and this permanent elevation of all this spending and, and says we're going to, because of this piece of legislation, if it passes in its current form, we'll have annual, annual budget deficits of as much as $6 trillion over the next 10 years, every year for the next 10 years. Our current national debt is about $29 trillion, and this bill proposes to add about $60 trillion to that. So it's not just going to bankrupt your children and your grandchildren. It's going to bankrupt their children and their grandchildren. So taxes, 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 and you're just never going to come out from underneath it. I don't think that that I think that that's something worth discussing, too, because I don't really think that the general public understand, you know, the government just prints more money and who cares? Just keep printing more. It, it never seems to come at a cost, but it does come yeah, at a cost. Right. And we, we're already seeing runaway inflation because of that. We've had the highest rate of inflation over the last year in the last 50 years. And, and this is why this kind of spending is why. Right. So if you think it's hard now just to try to make ends meet, picture more everything that you are using, whether it's not being able to take that vacation because you can't afford to because of the gas prices or even these rents are going up, rentals are going up, hotels are going up, everything goes up to a degree. Uh, and it makes your life, the consumer, the person listening to the show, a lot harder in being able to make your monthly bills and pay everything. So this, so you do want to pay attention to this, and you do want to say no, that this is a little bit out of control. Uh, our government needs to be brought back in, in my opinion, and said, figure out how to do this, but not to this degree. Because it's, there's just pie in the sky everywhere in here that's absolutely not necessary. And Jason, like you said, we've been after this Green New Deal. They've been after the Green New Deal. Even despite the fact that there's so many reports that are coming out discussing how they're going to lose in 2020. This is so unpopular with the American people. And it doesn't matter if you are high income, high, highly educated, low income, and very little education. You understand that this is a problem for you, period, and, and that our government shouldn't be taxing us and, of course, like David said, our children and our grandchildren. When we come back, I'm going to switch gears just a little bit. I want to bring it back to Texas because 
we have some uh, discussion that we need to talk about on the Texas with the Texas Railroad Commissioners, uh, as well as we have Joe on um, line two in the Woodlands. Thank you for for hanging on there. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. If you want to join in uh, on the show, the number is 210-308-8867. You would think after five years I would memorize that number. <laughs> You're listening to in the Wall Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. SR Trident is a veteran-owned and operated industrial construction company. Established in 2012 by co-founders Stephen Snyder and Ryan Berthold, SR Trident has positioned itself as an expert in the industrial construction sector. With mounting business expansions, they've assembled a team of skilled, experienced, and able individuals who are dedicated to meeting client needs as they evolve. SR Trident's safety record is impeccable as they've won a number of awards, including the ABC National Safety Excellence Award in 2020. With exceptional leadership and experience driving their gains, SR Trident can tackle any project and are ready to let their talent be the driving force in the energy industry. Call today, 361-776-2662 or visit online at srtrident.com to request a bid proposal today. And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. My co-host, David Blackman, is joining me. He is the editor of Shell Magazine, along with our partner, Jason Modulin, who is the president of Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. Hey, Jason, all this talk about this crazy budget bill is uh, elevating my blood pressure beyond normal limits. So let's uh, change the subject here. Talk about the Railroad Commission. We had an interesting decision there, I think, this past Tuesday. Uh, in which the commission, uh, uh, in a hearing in which the, an operator was asking for a two-year flaring permit, which has been kind of become a, a standard, uh, was limited instead to a year. Uh, Commissioner Wright uh, said during the debate over that uh, over that permit in that hearing um, that he doesn't believe that the lack of a pipeline connection uh, is any longer a valid excuse for flaring gas in Texas in the Permian Basin, I guess, since we now have uh, really kind of a glut of pipeline capacity out there now. And we also have kind of an array of, of solutions available uh, to flaring, uh, you know, including capturing the gas, recycling the gas, using on-site, et cetera. So I'm just curious what the, what the Alliance thinks about that decision. Uh, and do you think it'll have a significant impact on other operators going forward? Yeah, I, I was there Tuesday and, and heard Commissioner Wright's comments. And, and and let me clarify a little bit. It was on the extension of a flaring. Oh, permit. it was an extension. Uh, uh, okay. Yes, sir. So not not first time. I mean, we still have a strong wildcatter community in Texas. They go out, they explore, they drill uh, in new areas of the state. Without it, we would not have the Eagleford or, or, or really Parker right. Barnett that um, rely on, on those new 
uh, uh, exploration to, to really go out and find the, that, uh, that gas and, and oil for that matter. Big, uh, operators that lack takeaway capacity, it's been a huge challenge. Uh, you mentioned uh, the added capacity in the Permian Basin that, that's been phenomenal over the past two years, really driving down flaring rates. Yeah. Um, currently, they're at 0.7%. I mean, these are historic lows, um, uh, particularly when you compare to other basins uh, around the country. Um, and, and it starts right there with that added pipeline capacity. Along with, there's been quite a few regulatory changes, both bringing transparency to this issue, um, but also the, these hearings processes are extremely thorough, many times reducing permits, uh, permits requested from two years down to one year or volumes uh, much lower than, than were originally requested. Uh, and then you touch briefly on the new technologies that are, that are frankly shortening the midstream needs that we have in this state. Um, and those would be Bitcoin mining, uh, small peaker plants that are on lease or adjacent to lease, uh, and then new recycling and emissions control devices that are really making the oil patch cleaner while utilizing some of this waste gas. Yeah, that Bitcoin mining concept is a really interesting thing. It's really quite an innovation in in that area. Sorry for interrupting you, Kim. No, no, no. I, and I did want to ask that because I want some clarification on, okay, so Commissioner Wright said it was pertaining to connecting, but do you see that this is maybe the starting point or the opening into a bigger discussion pertaining to flaring and and any potential possible regulation that we might be seeing or or some pushing in there i know this seems to be a regular topic with the railroad commission and flaring and now it is it's a regular topic yeah and all three commissioners have really pushed on this quite a bit um and i think it's a testament to to their leadership we are seeing uh very low flaring rates um uh, it's a testament to their leadership that's why the legislature did not step in uh, to this area and really uh, defaulted to what the railroad commissioners are doing. And it's been a great success. Compare that to New Mexico, to North Dakota, or you go overseas and you see much higher flaring rates. Um, Texas really has a great story to tell. Uh, the Alliance also participates in the Texas Methane and Flaring Coalition. It's a broad group of all of the trade associations in the state, coupled with about 45 operators in the state of Texas that are committed to finding solutions to both flaring and venting. Um, and, and, we've, and we've published a number of reports uh, over the past year and a half. Jason, hang on, on a second. Hang on, Jason. Let's yeah, go, go into break. When we come back, we're gonna, you're listening to The Oil Patch. And Joe, we'll be right with you as soon as we come back from break. You're listening to in The Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Psst. Hey, you. Do you want to join the fastest growing oil and gas network in Texas? Ma'am, I'm all for growing my business. So you've got my attention. What is it? Teak is the Texas Energy Advocates Coalition. They hold business mixers to help businesses grow and network. Any cost to join? For the next 90 days, it's completely free. No charge to join. But they do want like-minded individuals to attend who are interested in growing their business and networking. Well, I want to join. Where should I go? Go to shalemag.com slash Teak and click on the join link. Enter your information and we'll get you set up. Join the Texas Energy Advocates Coalition at shalemag.com slash teak today. We're back.
back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Jason Modulin, the president of Texas Alliance of Energy Producers, along with my co-host, David Blackman. If you'd like to join the show, the phone number to call in is 210-308-8867. Jason, I want to go to Joe, but I want to give you an opportunity to finish off. You all were working. The association on a report was kind of discussing. Go ahead and finish your I'm, – I'm sorry, we came up on a hard break. <laughs> So, oh, that's okay, Kim. Uh, uh, Texas Methane and Flaring Coalition. Um, uh, we have published a lot on flaring here in the state of Texas, finding solutions, um, uh, but also uh, uh, bragging quite a bit on the good things that Texas producers are doing. And so, uh, Texas Methane Flaring Coalition dot com, I believe it might be dot org, but uh, uh, more information available there. So, go ahead, go to the caller. Okay. Joe, thank you for waiting. And I know you call in every live show you get. You're very much a, a great patron for listening to our show. What is your question for uh, David and Jason? Hey, Kim and everybody. Uh, well, my question, uh, bringing it back to Texas, is uh, weather forecasters are predicting possibly another uh, polar vortex, Uri, coming into Texas and the South. So, what exactly has okay. changed with the power grid? Here that would make it safer for you know people to stay safe and warm in their homes. I know I've increased my use of natural gas. So you know, what all have you heard? Well, yeah, Joe, I think I think Texas is uh, selling out Generac uh, plants and um, uh, generators at people's homes, particularly there in the Houston area uh, that just got through a, a storm and uh, lots of reliance on those uh, home generators burning natural gas. We have uh, three agencies in the state of Texas implementing some of what the legislature uh, called on them to implement. Uh, I would say the main difference between now and February is that there's a much greater coordination um, between electrics and midstream operations, um, uh, making sure that they are not interrupted uh, if we're going to be in a long-term event uh, that would have devastating effects on the oil field. Look, when you stop moving uh, product, um, uh, you start getting challenges. Um, if that electricity had been able to stay on, uh, gas and oil continue to move, uh, we would not have seen the constraints that we saw back in February. Uh, that's the main difference from February. Yeah. I I'd love to tell you there was more uh, going on. I'd even love to tell you that um, uh, we have five new natural gas plants in the state of Texas, but I, I can't tell you that. Uh, no, we, yeah, we don't, do we? Yeah, and, and you know, it, it's more about what hasn't happened, right, Jason? I mean, we haven't done anything, as you just mentioned, and no one has. The legislature hasn't, the governor hasn't, and the power generators haven't done anything to, to add additional base load generating capacity to this grid, which is a really has been a chronic problem for a decade now. Uh, nor do we have any of our plants in the state of Texas being winterized uh, right now because the legislature did not pass legislation requiring that to happen. The legislature did authorize the PUC to pass regulations that might require winterization and might not. Uh, but the PUC hasn't really started on that process yet. So we are uh, going into this winter uh, without adequate baseload generating capacity, without any winterization of our power plants. 
And uh, I mean, the better coordination though is a very key thing. Uh, and I think that will help a lot. But the, but the reality is of the three things that uh, really caused uh, the power blackouts during the February event, two of them has not been addressed in any way, shape or form. Okay. Well, let's switch gears. Um, let's talk to Bruce in San Antonio, <laughs> just because we've got phone lines. Bruce, uh, Thank you. hello. Uh, welcome to In the Old Patch. What is your question for uh, Bruce? What? Uh, what is your question? My, my question is, I'm hearing that a lot of the, uh, the, the, the majors are, are, are making money with this $70 crude and high gas prices, but they're using the money to buy back stock and to pay dividends. I was wondering if the independents are also cautious now, at, you know, with regards to uh, E&P. What's the rig count, et cetera, in Texas? Very good question. Jason? That is a good question. Yeah, the, the rig ha count ha has slowly climbed. Um, I, I would say more important, the, the, the frack spread uh, has, start, has started to go up as well. Um, but we haven't seen um, uh, the same price signals that we've seen in the past. Uh, uh, with this level of prices, particularly on gas prices right now, you, you would tend to expect to see a lot more drilling activity taking place. Um, we, we are in much more positive territory than we were just a few months ago. We're, we're over 500 rigs um, uh, in the United States operating right now. Uh, and certainly Texas has been kind of a leader in that space on, on, on bringing these rigs back online and, and generating this level of activity. Uh, that being said, the industry is still very much uh, constrained um, on capital. Um, and, and so these these are going to continue to be challenges, particularly as we go into winter uh, when there's going to be high gas demand. Yeah, I mean, that's that's right. We have doubled the rig count, more than doubled the rig count since a year ago. But of course, that uh, is from a very historically low rig count. And we're we're about, I think, back to about 60 percent of where the rig count was in late 2019. So there's still a ways to go. I, I, I'm like Jason. I don't believe we're going to see that, that count really approach the levels we saw in 2017 through 2019 anytime soon. And it's precisely because of the constraints on capital. And a, a lot of that's motivated by uh, what they call ESG investor groups that control about $10 trillion in, in private equity capital uh, and are putting great pressure on, on the big companies, the big corporate producers, uh, to not drill wells and to find, you know, uh, start building windmills and solar panels and and doing all these other things, uh, some of which are very good, like the the, the giant uh, carbon capture and sequestration project that uh, Exxon and 11 other big companies, industrials uh, in Houston are working on. That's going to be a huge uh, economic driver so for, for that area for the coming years. And so it's, it's all about capital and, and being able to raise it. We'll be right back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show.
The Texas Alliance of Energy Producers has a rich and commanding history of fighting for the independent oil and gas industry. The Texas Alliance became a statewide organization in 2000 with the merger of two of the oldest oil and gas associations in the nation, the North Texas Oil and Gas Association and the West Central Texas Oil and Gas Association. Today, with more than 2,600 members, the Texas Alliance is the largest statewide association in the country serving independent energy producers and associated industries. Through our efforts in Washington, D.C., and Austin, the Texas Alliance is focused on a better business climate for you. The Texas Alliance has a staff consisting of highly experienced senior staff and supporting consultants serving our membership. Offices are located in Austin and Wichita Falls. Become a member today by visiting texasalliance.org or email us texasalliance at texasalliance.org. And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Jason Modulin, the president of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers, and of course, my co-host, David Blackman, the editor of Shell Magazine. Hey, Jason, uh, in this last segment today, let's let's talk about prices. We had a really good week on, on oil prices again this week, uh, just in terms of the price staying, you know, at a level where companies can't afford to go out and drill wells and, and create jobs and and economic uh, benefit. And uh, the other thing that's happening, it's been happening, uh, a real phenomenon over the last few months is this higher natural gas price, uh, which is up over $5 at a 12 year high. And uh, uh, we're going into winter time, you know, and if we do have a cold winter, those prices could go any higher. I, you know, I just wanted to give you a chance to kind of talk about why, why that's happening. Uh, and are there any growing concerns in the industry that, you know, if, if the prices linger up this high or even higher, we could end up going into a not another cycle of, of demand destruction for natural gas? Well, I think that's certainly possible. Um, uh, I thought the Wall Street Journal said it said it pretty well uh, over the, over this past weekend that uh, really European markets are setting the price of gas right now yeah. uh, globally. Um, they, they estimated that prices could rise twelve dollars, uh, oh. and American LNG would still be competitive uh, with uh, Russian gas. Um, uh, going into the European market, there's just such a strong demand for it and not enough um, coming from uh, their, their neighbor to the east. And, and, and you mentioned it. I mean, we've got $5 gas per MMBTU, um, a growing uh, demand um, as we're getting into colder months and, and storage inventory being down. Uh, we've had uh, storms in the Gulf that's interrupted uh, operations quite a bit. Um, and then we've had uh, some some uh, spikes in temperatures that have really uh, necessitated natural gas across the United States um, uh, and that electricity demand. And getting back to our last segment, just not the capital uh, that has been invested uh, historically when we see these high prices uh, to be able to turn on the on the pumps and and get that gas moving to where it's needed. So um, we could see. Uh, continuing higher prices, and, and it's, it's absolutely a concern for uh, demand destruction uh, or competitors uh, overseas. Yeah. Hi, Jason. Uh, I, I, I probably read the same article you did, and they also alluded to that the reason why 
uh, Europe is being so dependent on purchasing this is because they had invested a lot in wind. And it seems like we're having a problem with wind over there. It's not as windy as it used to be. So they're having to rely on what again? Good old natural gas, even though the uh, wind turbines are not performing as, as they should be. And, and I say that because we here in the United States can look and see what the problem is and try to avoid those problems. But, um, you know, will our legislators listen? I'm not sure. Let's switch gears and talk about um, the price, the royalty rate that uh, that is on this been in discussion. There's a new uh, federal lease that's taken it from 12.5 to 18.75. And David, you had mentioned that it really hadn't gone up, so maybe there's a place here to go up a little bit. Yeah. What are the feelings yeah. for that? Of that? Yeah, that's it. That's in that uh, big budget reconciliation bill, Jason. You know, one of the that's one of the things that talking about doing and you know when you look at it the the private leases the royalty rate has been up around 25 percent really has kind of become the standard over the last couple of couple of decades and uh just wondering how you, of course we don't have a lot of federal leases but i know you have members who produce in in new mexico and other states just wondering if your members are expressing any concerns over that proposal yeah, uh, what I would say is that those are on average uh, what the lease numbers are for royalty rates. You know, uh, uh, these royalties, they're based on bids and then other concessions on top of that. So, for example, if an operator has to build a road or is limited on a certain type of surface activity, uh, that regulation may raise costs and, and they may take that into account when accepting uh, an operator at a lower um, uh, royalty rate. I, I went and looked at, at Texas uh, University lands and it averages 22%. Um, and those are fairly mature fields here in Texas. So they've got a lot yeah. of infrastructure in place. But again, that's an average. Uh, so you've got higher and you've got lower. Um, uh, it's something that uh, Congress is certainly looking at. Uh, I wouldn't um, characterize it as free money, though, and, and that's certainly <laughs> how they're characterizing it. Uh, that results in less development um, uh, because you're moving uh, cash from from capital investments uh, over to pay these royalties back to the federal government. And they're using it for, for who knows what. So um, it's not a it's not a freebie as they're characterizing it. Well, uh, we're getting to the end of our segment, and I wanted to uh, close out with you all just finished your um, conference or your um, uh, expo, if you will, in Fort Worth. And, of course, it was a big success. You had some great speakers. Uh, And that's just part of the advantage of someone being a a member of the Alliance, Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. Uh, But it isn't just for oil and gas uh, producers. It's also for service companies, companies who want to sell into the oil and gas industry. So I'm going to leave you with a little bit of time to give us a, a little plug on where do people go who listen, who want to join and be a part of the association? Sure. Well, it, easiest way is at our website, texasalliance.org. We're also very active on social media. A lot of the uh, conference items we put up on social media uh, we'll be putting those videos up here uh, fairly shortly. Um, but we, you're absolutely right, Kim. We had a great conference in Fort Worth. Um, uh, uh, Mike Howard, uh, Howard Energy Partners, Chris Wright with Liberty Oil Field Services, uh, Commissioner Christy Craddock. We also had uh, Congressman Vicente Gonzalez, uh, James Taylor, and Gregory Wrightstone, and uh, Dr. Helen Curry from uh, ConocoPhillips. Right. Uh, it, was a, it was a great program. 
Uh, lots of good discussions. Uh, we had about 250 participants, which is pretty good uh, coming out of COVID. So we were pretty happy with that. Uh, but just uh, pleased with the speakers, pleased with the venue. We were in the Fort Worth stockyards I know. at the Hotel Drover. So uh, had, had that hurricane not there. been heading my way, I was going to go. <laughs> but of course, we had hurricane. God, what was the guy? Or not a hurricane, tropical Ida. storm. Uh, no, it wasn't Ida. What was it? Uh, yeah. uh, Michael. Michael. Yeah, Michael. Michael. <laughs> yeah, it was coming straight for our, our house in South Texas, so we, we had to start boarding up just in case it turned well, we into a hurricane. Well, we missed you, too. Yes, I missed it, especially one of my favorite places is the Fort Worth Stockyards. But also, I just want to give one more plug. TX, it's TexasAlliance.org. You also produce an amazing uh, e-blast that just kind of gets everybody up to speed on things that are happening. You don't have to go research. It's just there. So I would highly encourage membership. For more information, of course, they can go to TexasAlliance.org and join. Also, if you're listening to our show, please like our Facebook page. It's in the Oil Patch Radio Show. And, of course, like David's page, which is Shell Magazine as the editor. So I'm just doing some shameless little plugs as we close out the show. Um, that is, guys, all the time we have for the show. Jason, I'd like to thank you again for coming once a month and helping us increase, like the Honorable Jason Isaac likes to say, increase all of our energy IQs. And, David, thank you, too, for joining me and being my co-host today. In the Oil Patch is where together we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.